0: The Coaching You Podcast is presented by Huddle Basketball and Huddle Assist, your best solution to capture and analyze every aspect of the game from the first tip to the final buzzer. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You Podcast, presented by our friends at Huddle and Huddle Assist. This is the coach, Brendan, sir. And let me say this, uh, what a Final Four we had. Uh, And I just felt the only way that, you, our great listeners uh, and coaches around the world, would really appreciate it as I get one of the foremost global authorities on basketball and the voice of ESPN, especially in the Big 12 Conference, uh, Fran Fischella, to come and, and be our guest today and really give us a, a huge dose of knowledge. Uh, he's, he covers that league, so he knows Baylor inside out, but he's also a very, very close friend of Mark Few. So after this quick timeout, we're going to come back with Professor Fran Frisella. Hi, this is Brendan Sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education class It can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.bass.org play360hoops.com to learn more about this new innovative product make sure you mention coaching you for a 10 percent discount we're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at dr dish basketball on board as sponsors of the coaching you podcast dr dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers and coaches on demand, real time and detailed analytics and top of the line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at DrDishBasketball.com. Don't forget to mention coaching you or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. So excited today to be with our dear dear friend and coaching you faculty member. I'd love to call you a professor. <laughs> I like that. Dr. Dr. Fran Facella, how are you my friend?
1: Outstanding. I'm a, I'm a little sad and forlorn with the college season I know. coming to an end. But we did have a season. The NBA is in full swing, and uh, I'm actually thrilled to be talking to you today, Brendan.
0: You know, I, 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 I didn't think we could pull it off. I'm, I'm to mm-hmm. admit to you, you know, having you know, I, I just thought it was very risky and everything. But I give everyone that was involved uh, at every level, you know, tremendous yes. kudos and and uh, and and I and I have to give the people at the NCAA, I, I did not think they could pull it off like they did, and they did an exceptional yeah. job.
1: Well, if you knew, if you know Dan Gavitt, and you probably do, yeah. Of course, you knew his dad. His daddy really and well. I were dear friends, yeah. But Dan, Dan, uh, Dan, Danny was our grad assistant at Providence College. Wow. Uh, with uh, the assistant coaches were Larry Shiat and Fran Freshella for Rick Barnes. Once upon a time, and uh, we knew Dan was not destined for coaching. But uh, the couple of years I got to spend with him. Were delightful and uh, of course Dan now has done an amazing job with NCAA basketball and uh, I, I, I I did have hope honestly Brendan because Dan was involved Wow and we did pull it off and uh, one other interesting side note last summer as I would talk to some of my close friends in coaching and not not to name drop here but you know these are friends of yours uh scott drew and uh, mark few jay Wright, tom izzo calipari they were on the phone every day last summer trying to figure out a way to make college basketball happen they really were i give those guys a lot of credit behind the scenes uh, there were others of course but um they were bound and determined one way shape or form to do everything they could to have a season including playing each other like round robin which would have been you know Some very tough games they didn't really care about that at the time they just cared about having a basketball season so coaches uh, get a lot of blame for things but um they also sometimes deserve a little bit of credit and i thought those particular men and there were others um as i mentioned um but they deserve a lot of credit for for really helping behind the scenes with the season well you know um you and I,
0: being from the New York area, we don't ha- we don't really relate to Mount Rushmore. But uh, but yeah. if there's a Mount Rushmore of coaching, there's probably twenty guys on it, and those certainly yeah. are four, five of them. You know, and uh, you know, and K and Bayheim and Roy Williams and right and numerous. Of, but man, those those are guys that are lifers that are really really great and. I give everyone uh, tremendous credit, but let's talk about the games. Do uh, yeah. UCLA, our friend yeah. Mick Cronin going out to the West Coast, that style is not going to work. You know, he's not an L.A. guy. He ain't cool. He plays too slow. And wow, my yeah. goodness. I mean, six games that they they played to come from where they came from. Uh, incredible.
1: Yeah, and uh, he, did, he, did, he did bring out there the rec- requisite toughness that sometimes is missing, I think, mm-hmm. you know quite frankly, from Southern California guys. That's a little bit of a, a stereotype. I got it, but I can remember just a few short years ago, there were UCLA alums and fans that didn't like the way Ben Howland uh, his team played, and they went to three final fours. So right. um, I think what they figured out is winning is more important at style points. And but but impressively, Brendan, to me was actually as the season unfolded, UCLA's offense was better than their defense and uh, statistically. So it's really interesting that for a guy who does have a defensive mindset, um, there was definitely toughness there. We saw it. We saw it every night in a tournament. But I thought he allow, allowed his offensive players to play with freedom. They were under control. The little point guard, Tiger Campbell, was exceptional. Uh, Johnny Juzang was tremendous. Uh, he's a b- budding star in college basketball. And so I, I thought Mick did a really, really spectacular job of not only getting his team to play hard, but also overcome some adversity. They, they lost some guys. Um, and uh, they were fun to watch. And it was a little unique because we sometimes think of UCLA as an underachieving team, but that was not the case with this with this team.
0: You know, I think you're 100 percent right. Having coached against him at Cincinnati, uh, when I was at UCF, I uh, yeah. I found out his his teams defensively were incredible, and they they yeah. played more like Patino's teams at Louisville. You know, where they would press you, zone press you at yes. the floor, and then they'd play a matchup zone, and we could never figure out how to how to score against them. Right. Offensively, right. they weren't very good. <laughs> you know. And they had good players, but they just weren't – there was not much creativity. And I thought they flip-flopped this year. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I do too. And and, uh, the little point guard, I think, gets a lot of credit, Tiger Campbell, because uh, when I watched him practice a couple years ago – and I had actually seen him when he was a ninth grader at one of these AAU extravaganzas uh, for Under Armour. And I thought he was a nice mid-major point guard, maybe high mid-major, you know, maybe – uh not that not that the american as you know is a mid major league it's not but uh, i think the top of the league certainly is really really good but i thought that was the kind of league he would excel in um and um he, he turned out to be like uh i mean he's not mark jackson the, the one the, the mark jackson we remember at st john's but i thought he was cool calm and collected as a floor general which you don't really see that much anymore. You know, we're we're used to that New Jersey, New York Catholic League point guard, and he kind of fits that mold of just being a floor general. And I thought he was phenomenal.
0: And he shoots the ball way better than you think he will. Yeah, I agree, and big shots too. Not, af-
1: not afraid of the moment.
0: And you know, McCronin is a charge block call, and <laughs> a uh, you know, and. A half court little inside a half court shot of going another overtime or winning in regulation uh, game. So, you know, it's just, uh, you know, uh, just amazing that they did that. Your feelings about, and you've coached so many games at a high level where you win an emotional game and whether you're in a tournament or not, and then you got to play the next night or you play a day later. Do you think that entered into it? The, the semifinal or the four? The final, when, I mean, when, I'm uh, sorry. When, uh, when they had to play Baylor. When, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry? When they had to play Baylor-Gonzaga. I, I'm sorry. Well,
1: yeah, you know, I, I think it's anecdotal. I mean, you and I have seen so many basketball, so many, so many situations through the years. You lived it in the NBA playoffs so many years. Um, I'm not really sure. I never could really put my finger on it. I do think this. I've always felt like – I did think this because I, I know Baylor obviously very, very well from living here in Texas and, and, and covering the league and knowing Scott Drew well. I thought that they were not the same team after the COVID three-week break they had as the team that was 17-0 and that we considered on a par with Gonzaga for most of the season. And Saturday, I thought against Houston, a really good Houston team, they got their they got their mojo back. So going into this Monday night's game, when all of us who have any brains thought that Gonzaga would be the clear favorite, I think what Baylor did, and you and I have seen this so many times, is they. I always told my team when you play a better team or a team that's supposed to be better, I called them the bully on the block. <laughs> and you and I know from growing up where we grew up that if you're gonna fight the bully, you better get the first shot in. <laughs> and and um, I've always felt that way. I think you can rattle a team that's a favorite if you come out quickly on them. The problem is with most games, as I do with them on TV, and and, and uh, you've been a part of them and watch them, that after the first eight, nine minutes of the game, it's 16-13. It's, you know, 17-14. But for Baylor to come out the way they did and be up 29-10 to 10 was like, yeah. You know, like knocking George Foreman down in the first round of his prime. It mm. just doesn't happen. So I think that really rattled Gonzaga, maybe more so than the tough game on Saturday.
0: Uh, great point. You know, all of a sudden, it's the first time you've ever been punched l- that hard. You're right. right? Yeah. Yeah, in maybe. This year, Yeah, that's, that's really good thinking. Tell me about, uh, and this is, you know, this is why I wanted you to talk to coaches around the world. Yeah. You t- talk about uh, Mark View as a coach.
1: Well, I think that what makes Mark so special um, is that his perspective is so good. Now, he has a great team. Um, tactically, he's always thinking about how to get better, he's got a growth mindset. Um, he and his staff have a real, not only because of recruiting, they, they, they look at the NBA, they look at European basketball. They're always looking for the next new idea to make their program better. Um, I, I would, I would, I would warn coaches if you've coached 10 years, did you coach one year, 10 times, or did you actually (laughs) improve over 10 years? And I think Mark certainly has that kind of growth mindset. And then the other thing that you know about Mark, and I said this over the weekend, not knowing they would lose, I said no matter what happens Monday night, Wednesday morning, as we as we taped this, it's Wednesday morning, um, he'll be fly fishing in the Spokane River. <laughs> and after taking his kids to school, and he, it's how he lives his life, he keeps things in perspective, which I think is another great lesson for coaches.
0: A hundred percent. And he's one of the few guys that we know that – doesn't go through i believe still all the workouts in the summer
1: am i right yeah
0: you know he, yeah i think
1: so he 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 gives those kids a lot of uh yes. he's away from the team yep. uh and he's always i mean he's always 10 minutes away because spokane's sure. a small city as you know but i i think he's one of those guys that recognizes that it's better to hear a different voice uh certain times a year and uh he's got a great staff and even the younger members of the staff get to do a lot of of coaching and workouts in the off season and i think it's uh uh, he, he his personality wears well with with young people let's put it that way and he doesn't overdo it and he's not overbearing certainly
0: i think it's really important now for coaching and i think uh yes you know only college coaches could make college basketball a 12 month sport
1: that's what i say you know yeah <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and so i and i, 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 I worry about that with, i couldn't agree with you more i think sometimes less is more um i really mean that i we all want to be in the gym all the time um, and I think sometimes just stepping away and taking a break and letting the guys catch their breath. And, uh, I, I, definitely think there are times during the year I go, well, this team may burn out because by February 1st, they've been practicing three hours a day since October. And, uh, I, I learned a good lesson as a young coach and you, you lived it in the NBA, fresh legs. And I I, I convinced my team that by the last month of the season, we're only going to be on the court for 50 minutes, an hour. And use the other time maybe to get extra shooting in or watch a little film. But uh, Mark, Mark, to to your point about Mark Few, he has coaching in life and a proper balance, which is not not easy to do. But, you know, the great John Wooden used to talk about balance, right? And it wasn't just footwork balance. It was, you know. Life balance, which I think Mark, uh, you know, wears, you know, is that that's a big part of his personality. Yeah.
0: And that's why we always say, Fran, coaching is the same skill set as parenting. And, you know, you yeah. can be overbearing <laughs> with your own children, right? You know? Yes. And, uh, yeah. you know, and that's why when they go away to school, they never come home, you know? <laughs> you
1: know? Well, it's funny. It's funny because I've heard a new line the other day. But, by the way, from Anson Dorrance. the great, uh, a
0: great soccer, soccer coach. coach. Yeah. Yeah.
1: From the women's soccer coach in North Carolina are listening. Listening to another podcast, and he calls he calls some of these parents snowplow parents because they they push all the obstacles out of their way out of the way for their kids, uh-huh. and and I thought that was such a great coaching metaphor too. I, I was always a huge believer in creating adversity in practice, um, so that the games were easier, right? Sure, I mean, they're very simple, and and I, I love that. So don't be a snowplow coach where you're trying to push all the obstacles away from your players just to be, you know, liked. And uh, I thought that was a pretty good. I hadn't heard that one before. No, We're I love say, that. You know, we'll give you credit
0: yeah. for it, Zach. No, no. Zach, make sure we give Frank credit for that. this one time, and then we own it here. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Like that. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's I like your philosophy. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so as you're one of the great teachers, and you've taught, uh, you know, college coaches so much. You know, you, I I say you've given you you know they say our friend uh, the great Lon Kruger has you know implemented the ghost screen. I say it's Fran Frischella that's implemented the ghost screen into college basketball and things oh, like that that you
1: oh. le- learn. Listen, from I your- st- I steal it, I steal uh, it, and I pass uh, it on. I got to tell you, like uh, what really and here's what I would tell you, and I don't know how you feel about this. I really felt coaching really took a step up this year. Uh, I watch college basketball more than anything else. So I'm speaking to college because of the, one of the silver linings of the pandemic to me was that going back to last March, April, May, June, so many coaches got on zoom calls and shared ideas. And, you know, were part of coaching clinics on zoom. We, we discovered zoom and we discovered how easy it was. and, I have to tell you that um, one of the heartwarming things for me was I learned a lot of pick-and-roll basketball last spring, uh, and particularly from a number of people. But Chris Paul, watching Chris Paul on tape is the most uh, eye-opening experience. The guy, I can't believe how, how much of a technician he is in pick-and-roll. And then the European coaches, And what we did, many of us, we just passed all that information on, ghost screens and boomerangs and, you know, uh, taking advantage of – you know, switching became a big deal, right, Sure. five years ago, in uh, particularly in college. So there was a year or two where college coaches didn't have any antidote or solution for switching. But my point is this past 12 months, coaching really took a step up because coaches – without having players around, Brendan, had a lot of time to share ideas, study the game. And I saw it. I saw it in the Big 12 all
0: year. It's the best coaching that's happened in college basketball in the last 20 years, this season, because of that. You, I yeah, think so. Yeah, because I could, uh, you know, when I when I was in college coaching, which I spent 15 years, uh, you know, yeah. b- between the American and uh, the SEC, you could pull out the same scouting report from teams and it would be the same thing yeah. every year. And now all of a sudden, different stuff. And I said, "Kudos to those teams." Yes, and, and yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know what it was great uh, to watch? Uh, how you know they they did the switching, and it would either be one yeah. through four switching, or or some teams like Gonzaga would even do one through five, uh, sure. Because uh, Timmy's such a good you know gardener. But all of a sudden, uh, then we saw our friends at Baylor, who we'll discuss in yeah. a minute. Who implemented ghost screens, the hard roll to the rim, dragging, oh. dragging that player so that you have two guard, players guarding the ball. Oh. Uh, and then, of course, the boomerang where they throw the ball back, and then all of a sudden you have you know Mitchell with a mismatch against the center and just whipping him off to dribble. And well,
1: that's listen, fantastic. I, I only learned a boomerang in the last two years, honestly. And, and uh, terrific. You, you may have seen it in the NBA forever. I no, did not. No, I had not. Yeah, and but that's my point. Like yeah. I saw this, and I said, coaches need this. Like we, like I'm not coaching anymore. And I, I, you know, Scott Drew will wink at me at times when I'm down there. Yeah, but I watch them play. You know, for coaches who are listening, if you go back and watch the championship game, Drew Drew Timmy, who to your point switched all season. Just imagine a linebacker trying to guard Jerry Rice in his prime, and that's what Baylor did to Gonzaga the other night. Really. As good as Drew Timmy is, he was exposed defensively because of the way they took him out to the perimeter and then boomeranged him and kept him in a mismatch, and it was really um, brilliant coaching, which is why I always – I think the lesson from Scott Drew, honestly, as someone I've really watched closely for 18 years we've become dear friends, is you can keep improving as a coach. The the coaches listening to this podcast right now, if you think that you know everything you need to know about basketball, you do not – Um, I personally learned something about the game every week of my life that I wish I knew 25, 30 years ago, by the way, but, um, a guy like Scott drew was a good coach when he got to Baylor, he got a little bit better, a little bit better. And now when you watch their practices, it's pretty easy to say, Brendan, someone like yourself would watch and say, this guy is a great coach Mm -hmm. and it it, it didn't happen overnight. It, It evolved. I couldn't agree more.
0: Would you explain for our listeners and we, you know, in a hundred plus countries around the world that, you know, you've yes. helped us grow to, but, you know, explain to them two things. One, what is a ghost screen?
1: And then what yeah. is a boomerang? Well, it's all oh, the boomerang. Yeah. Thank you. Well, first of all, let me tell all of your listeners around the world how much we have enjoyed here in the United States, uh, guys like Chuck Daly and Jack Ramsey and UB Brown and so Bob McKillop and so many others teaching the game around the world. And now 50 years later, you're teaching it back to us. Right. So the global (laughs) game has shrunk and I have, you and I have many, many friends who are coaching around the world. And we, we have learned in America that we don't have all the answers. You know, we, we have learned to become better coaches because of our friends around the world. So really simply for the younger coaches out there, a ghost screen, is a is a is a is is a play that looks like it's going to be a, a, a ball screen and it usually it requires a big man in this case not a not always a big man but the screener to to run from somewhere up to set a screen looking like they're going to set the screen and of course all pick and roll is designed to create chaos and confusion at the point of the screen while the chaos in this case is created because the screener, Uh, actually before he gets to the point of the screen, he just disappears. He just breaks off his screen and, and will continue on his route, you know, through to the other side of the court. And that split second between the two defenders is the fact that there's no screen is actually as good as a screen. And uh, because it causes that confusion that we talked about, and uh, that has become a big part of our game I think it's great in late clock situations as opposed to bringing a second defender to a ball and now they're trapping your best player, uh, the ball out of his hand. So that's, that's what I've learned to call a ghost screen. The boomerang is when we come off a ball screen and a big man switches onto a guard, the defense instinctively will shrink the floor when they see the big man in a mismatch with a good a good guard. So in order to keep that uh, mismatch alive, the guard will get rid of the ball quickly. The defense has a tendency to catch its breath and relax, but we boomerang the pass right back to that guard before the big man can leave uh, that switch, and he's still out on an island now with a live dribble. And we call it a boomerang because the ball gets passed right back to that guard in the mismatch quickly. And he now can attack that big downhill. And Baylor did that uh, seemingly time and time again in the championship game. I hope that wasn't too hard. Oh, no, game. no,
0: no. That's fabulous. I, I yeah, think that that's was... how
1: I look at, look at those two plays.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick timeout, and then we're going to come back with Professor Fran Fischella. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love huddle assist. With assist, you get full game breakdowns, including cl- complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like the li- like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com assist. That's hud slash assist to learn more. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with because on this assessment, that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, the things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your players' mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com. Or visit their website at mindview.com. Fran, uh, Getting back to the go screen, one thing I yeah. saw that, again, uh, as we keep going to school, you and I, and keep yeah. learning, uh, I've now seen the M- the NBA implementing something that I think is pretty good by accident mm-hmm. or not. And that is sometimes we like to, when, we, when they do swing the ball from one side to the other in the NBA, which is rare, but when they do yeah. and they swing yeah. the ball from the top to the wing Many times teams will run over and set aside ball screen, right? Right. So what they're doing now is, as they start to go, they're not slipping it; they're just cutting hard. Yes. And and now the guard is not sure if there's a switch, not switch, mm-hmm. and they're and they're moving. And then the other one that I've seen that I love is all of a sudden your big is inside and always coming up for that ball screen. Now they're coming from the wing, almost like foul line extended sprinting yeah. at the ball and, and go screening it to the opposite wing. And now the guy is seeing over his shoulder. Someone's coming to screen, but he doesn't know who it is. And it's really right. the best shooter on the court. And I, I, I found that to be very interesting. You know, either you turn your head, and the guy drives by you, or they both guys switch, or one guy switches and the other guy stays with the ball, and now the shooter's wide open. So, just something for the listeners. To I think love about.
1: it. And I'm, I'm telling you, these things, I, I know how you and I have seen this forever. There's there's young coaches out there that are putting pad to paper right now, I hope so. or paper yep. to pen, I should say, and jotting stuff down and, and, uh, and, This is how uh, this is how you create what we call wrinkles, you know, and uh, the Charlotte Hornets do a great job of running up to set a ball screen and ghosting it. And they have a term for it. I can't remember, but they just basically sprint out of it to the other wing. And they and the man with the guy with the ball just swings it to him. And because of that little bit of indecision, it's a it's a hard closeout yeah now the defender's trying to get back and we either got a sh- it's a great late shot clock play because you either got that shot or a chance to drive the close out and uh here's one more for you ghost screen into a at the top into a flare screen for the ghost screen. Yes. yes so there's so many things you could put on paper that you can fool with at home, and uh, which I used to do, by the way, in eighth grade at St. Edmunds, back when I was uh, when I knew I wanted a coach. That, that's <laughs> in why the back that, of my notebook. That, uh, that's
0: why your folks are disappointed. That, you know, that's why, why I went
1: to PC. Yeah, why I went PC Brooklyn College? Yeah, not why, Boston did,
0: college. why did Fred, <laughs> when I told my mom when I told my mother I'm going to be a coach? She said, Why did we waste money on the college? Why did we
1: do this? Uh, <laughs> I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I came from a family that they. <laughs> Yeah. Coach, what are you talking about? Yeah. Anyway, it's, right. it's been a good life. It's hey, been a good uh, life
0: for both of us. Uh, so let me ask you now, With uh, talk about the players in Gonzaga, the pro prospects.
1: Yeah. Okay, Give me your yeah. e- evaluation. Jalen Suggs. I love Jalen Suggs. I think he's, you know, um, I, I, I don't know who to compare him to. I think, I was talking to Sam Mitchell the other night, and we talked about, not early in his career, because he really took a while to get going, but Later on, a Chauncey Billups type, a big point guard. Chauncey had to learn to play point, as Sam said, but, but certainly became a great player at that position. And, you know, because Chauncey could shoot it. He could play the one or the two. He was obviously a good defender. Uh, but, but be that as it may, I love Jalen Suggs. Uh, he didn't have his best game in the final, but um, he's a competitive kid. He played football. He was all everything. He plays the right way. He's an athlete. He's tough size. So I I think, you know, to me he's he's can't miss. I think he's gonna be a very good NBA player. Yeah, his defensive anticipation is what grabbed me. I never s- I never saw a, yeah. guy a that could shoot I think an his absence. anticipation on both ends, Brendan. Yeah, and I think part call. of it is playing football. Wow. I do. I honestly That's think great. you know playing playing two sports at that level in the decision making and the anticipation and the pass you know the passes he makes, the seventy five foot bounce pass. You know,
0: as good as I've ever seen.
1: I know, yeah, I know. I, I'm a big fan of his.
0: Yeah, PJ Fleck, I thought was great in his evaluation of him. You know, and you know when he did, <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, but you know, uh, Zach says uh, Jamal Murray. That's a pretty interesting yeah. comparison. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean,
1: you know, those guys. You you've seen so many talented athletes play in the NBA, but the guys that have the athleticism, and not that Jamal's a, a freak, but he's certainly. He's athletic to me in a way. Steve Nash was athletic, Jamal Murray, you know, so I see it. But what I love about guys like Jamal Murray and, and Jalen Suggs is their, their anticipation skills. They're, to me, that's a skill in itself, you know, just knowing where they are, how to create separation from a, from a defender, how to anticipate a passing lane on a defensive end. Uh, I just love watching those guys because they are the ultimate in the game we love they're athletic and they're skilled and they're creative mentally. You know, they have a great basketball IQ, which is always fun to see a player with all those attributes.
0: I thought this guy, I thought Kisper struggled with his shot a little in the, in the, in the, the, you know, in the tournament a little bit. Yeah. Um, And I think, and I, and I said this to Zach one day, I I think, I, I think Mark Schmitz, who I think is maybe the best evaluator I've seen in the NBA for a long time. I thought he had him a little high, where he had him top ten early, Um, yeah. Because of the, he's athletic as heck, but he's not Jalen Suggs athletic, you know. So I don't know if they will just attach to him in the NBA because he's such a great shooter. Your your thoughts on him as a pro? He's going to obviously be a good pro, but
1: yeah, I I think you know I don't I don't like to rank him. No, I don't know the way the mock draft guys and Mike and those guys do it because they move him up and down all year. You know, it's like a Stock market. I, to <laughs> me, I think at the worst, you know, if you're drafting between ten and twenty, you're getting a rotation player at worst, yep. who comes in off the bench and can make shots and keep the floor spread and and uh, you know, I and I, he's definitely more athletic <clears throat> than he was as a freshman. I think the kid is um, is going to be fine that way. I watched Dante Divincenzo right. do exactly. what he's doing, and and I I'm not saying they're the same kind of player, but. I just think that Corey's going to be a really good pro, whether he's a starter, rotation guy. Uh, he's got, he's got the one NBA strength that I do think will translate, which is his shooting. Yep. He's six six. Um, he knows how to play. He's a sneaky good passer. He's played without the ball a lot. So he won't need the ball in his hands. And I, I think that, you know, Brendan, you know, this when you're taking, when you're taking a kid 17th or 18th and you're a playoff team already. You're just looking for – you want to hit a double in the gap. You know what I mean? Yep. You may get lucky on occasion and get uh, Giannis at 14 or somebody, <laughs> you know. But if there's not a guy there that you're completely sold on maybe being better than everybody thought, you want a guy that's going to help your team win playoff games. And I think I think Corey's going to fit into that role with whatever team takes him. He's – and I think you're 100% right.
0: A, the whole key in the draft is fit, right? You know, yeah. And, and – He's a better Joe Harris, by you know, a yeah. better Joe Harris at a college. And yeah. Joe Harris is now evolved into a, you know, $17 million, or whatever player. Right. But right. I, I could see him being just that. Kind. You play with great players, you get wide open shots. You play with Chris yeah. Ball, you get wide open shots. I think he would be a hell of a
1: pro. Yeah, I think he'll be solid. I really do. And I, and I just love the character aspect. And he, you know, he's a kid that got better. So. Um, but your your point about fit is, is 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 absolutely. You know, you lived it, so you know yeah. that. T- no, Timmy is a
0: kid from your area. Uh, yeah, you know, yes, uh, and uh, boy, he snuck up
1: on me, and boy, he's damn good. Uh, he's only a yeah.
0: sophomore, too,
1: huh? Only a sophomore. You know, I'm, I'm guessing he'll tip his toe in, yeah. uh, which he should because there's no harm. And uh, you know, I'm trying to give a get a comp for him, and I don't know if he's this good. But he kind of plays like Louis Scola, Boy. you know. He's got a little Louis Scola below the grim game. I, I don't know if that's mm. going to be good enough, but I, I got to think. in nowadays, with seventeen guys on the roster, he's obviously going to get a chance to. I, I think to he.
0: I, I, I think he really showed, uh, yeah. first of all, how competitive he is. But you know, he, yeah. he he, the way he runs the floor, the way he can pass, the way he can yeah. post up. No one can post up anymore. Uh, yes. He's got a post up game. But he can also – he'll be a terrific shooter in the pros also because, yeah. you know, it's yeah. such an uh, – I, I, uh, I think he's a big-time pro. I really do. Yeah. I yeah. I, yeah. I, no, I, I, I did the he, Kelly Olenek comparison. I think he's way better, and I think Kelly O'Lenick's a good pro.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it could be. You know, Kelly really uh, – Kelly is – you know, my, we know Kelly really well here in the Frashella household because he – my son James are very close, and I did some of their games. I, Kelly, Kelly was, I think, legit 6'10", 6'11". You know? I think Drew, Drew may be a little bit more undersized, but, um, but also, Kelly, again, Drew has played two really good years, and Kelly, people don't remember this, but Kelly actually had to redshirt a year at Gonzaga in the middle of his career because he wasn't getting any playing time took advantage of that. So Drew's still two years behind where Kelly was at the same stage. And I think he can catch up and surpass Kelly wow, for that, sure. That's a great. That's a great point.
0: The kid from uh, Bordeaux, France, I could never pronounce his last name. Uh, Ayayi.
1: Ayayi. See, I'm not a um, Listen, this is a kid that Mark Few <laughs> told us when he was a freshman. He didn't think he'd ever play. And he just was so far behind when he got there and they redshirted him. But, damn, you know, 6'5", long arms, athletic, open court guy, defense, makes shots. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I I have friends that tell me, oh, this kid can't make the NBA. And unlike when you started, I said, yeah, he can, because there's 17 guys on a team now.
0: Oh, he can definitely make the NBA.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm just saying in general, in general, like, you know, it's not as, I hate to say it this way, because we know how hard it is to play in a league, but it's not as hard to play in the league, I don't think, as when you started coaching in the league because there's more spots. And there's a G League for some development. So when someone says, you sure so-and-so can play in the league, I go, yeah, because, you know, 17 roster spots. A couple of those guys are two-way spots. But I think I think Iyai y- is going to be a, like a really good complementary guard, and, you know, can, can play. I think he can guard three spots on the perimeter.
0: Mm, that is that... – and the kid Nemarny who transferred from Florida, boy, from the way he started the season to the end of the season, uh, they're obviously their most improved player. But what an yeah. important piece to their team!
1: Another guy that um, knows how to play. You know, I watched him. He's, played, he's already played for the Canadian national team. He'll be a big part of their, you know, pot- potentially their team this summer. He actually may make the Olympic team. Uh, they, I know they really like him because he's a pure point guard and uh another kid that um keeps getting better he's a big point guard he knows how to play and um you know i always felt st- foot speed was a little bit of an issue with him but um he's a big point guard and uh reminds me a little bit of nigel williams goss who took him to a final four yep and uh and uh but a good player really a good player great kid and uh you know he uh he started out with our friend michael white and he he headed out to Gonzaga and they got him eligible, which was really important for them because he made a big difference.
0: Right before year. the season started or right at the start of the season. If right. I'm not, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Hey, uh, let's go to Baylor quickly. Uh, you know, yes. <laughs> amazing. You know, that team inside out being uh, yeah. the voice of the, yep. uh, the big 12. uh um, Why don't you run down their squad as far as, you know, pro prospects and what what your feelings about what they did and everything?
1: Well, first of all, let me just say uh, for coaches, uh, culture is real. We throw culture around as a word that if it if it does, you know, it you know, like it's the old story. uh, It's a Supreme Court justice. uh, (laughs) They asked him. Remember the the, the pornography? pornography. (laughs) I don't I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. It's like culture. I can't really define it, but I know it when I see it, and I, I know good culture when I see it. And everything they do in their program, the practices, uh, the the, the t- go look at their timeout organization in a huddle, and everything is buttoned up. It's 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 amazing. Um, but uh, specifically with these three guards, right off the bat, uh, these kids were all under the radar, somewhat. Uh, Jared Butler was a top sixty, and and. Davion Mitchell was the backup, the third guard at Auburn, uh, behind two guys that took him to the Final Four. Macy Oteague was playing, you know, low major at, at uh, Wilmington. at, at um, Excuse me, USC Asheville, yeah. Right. But when they all got together, uh, the first summer the three of them were together, which I think was 18, summer of 18, 19, 19, 20, yeah. Um, they lived in the gym, the three of them, like three rats, three musketeers. And they, they should iron sharpens iron. They made each other better. Um, They they held each other accountable. And uh, Butler had the most publicity because he was the guy playing his freshman year when the other two sat out as transfers. Got it. And when I would go to practices, they would say to me or go to games, they'd say, these two guys that are sitting out are wearing out our starting group, Teague and Mitchell. And so what they've done over two years, they're like 50 and five, I think is an overall record or something crazy like that. Um, is remarkable. Um, Davion Mitchell, to me, um, I know he's quote unquote moving up the draft boards, which I always get a laugh at. Yep. Because because he played this way in December and January. Um, fastest guy in college basketball. Yep. Um, incredible defender. Incredible athlete because he never gets out of a stance. And I do think he harassed Jalen Suggs the other night, which I think is a compliment to him, Brendan, because Jalen Suggs is going to be a top three pick. Um, he's shooting it better than ever. He shot 45% this year. NBA guys who, like a kid who can shoot the off the, off the dribble three. He's doing that. Um, he's a deceptive passer. I love him. I, I just think the kid's going to be a really good pro. Um, and he, and he's got great uh, heart and character. Jared Butler, not quite as athletic, great shooter, great playmaker, um, has, a, has a love affair with the backboard. Uh, he gets into the lane and you don't think he's going to be able to get it up over bigs. And he has a way of just kissing that, you know, that uh, that floater off the glass. Um, he, he's got great character as well. And then Macy Oteague's got that awkward looking shot, but he can knock, he can knock the three ball down. He's certainly going to get a hard look with teams, a little unorthodox, not as overall, I think as polished as the other two, but, but certainly a great score. I, I I think those are three. That's as good a backcourt as comes down the pike in college. And there have been some great ones, uh, but that's a, that's a great college backcourt.
0: I agree. And, uh, and, and then, you know, he just had guys that were, you know, athletes and they would come in and they would play so hard. But I thought their defense is as good as anything yes. I've seen in college basketball, almost going back to UNLV.
1: Way you know what back. I thought they did great. I, I thought they were the best scrambling defense I've seen in forever. Uh, we know unLV just smothered people with the on the line up the line, deny yeah. the passing lanes. I always felt unLV was the one defense I've ever seen in my whole life that could take away passing lanes and also take away dribble penetration at the same time. <laughs> exactly usually you have to give up one for the other, right? you know you, you play pack line defense so you can't deny. And if you deny, you're going to get beat back door. And I thought UNLV, they didn't worry about either. They they took away both. I think with Baylor, what they did a great job of was helping and bringing everybody to, to you know to the strong side. No, that no middle stuff, which I laugh about by the way, because you know Chris Beard made no middle famous, and I thought Mr. Riber and Bob Knight made no middle famous. But what do I know, you know? Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> But we know everything goes in cycles. But I thought scrambling out of help situations to the weak side, I've never seen a a college team better than Baylor. Boy, you're right on the money on that one, boy. We're
0: going to take another quick timeout and be back with Frank Frischella. Prepare like the pros with the new Fast Draw. Fast Draw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With Fastroy, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video, and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content and resources through their blog and Playbank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next fast model purchase. Hey, as the official ESPN analyst for Big 12, <laughs> you're having a little action now in the off season with a little yeah bit, you know, the great Lon Kruger uh, retiring at Oklahoma. Spectacular career, great man. Yeah. Um, yes. and, and Porter Moser leaving Loyola after 10 years to come there. What does Porter have to do to take over a program like
1: that? Well, let me me tell you this. Let me give you a little – let me me act like you're a TV listener, okay? I would love that. I'll drop a nugget on you. The the league last year had six out of ten coaches that coached in the Final Four. There has been some turnover, and it still has six coaches out of ten that have coached in the Final Four because with Juan Kruger leaving Porter Moser comes in uh, to Oklahoma a great hire and Scott Drew now is officially a final four member and he'll replace Shaka Smart our good friend who's now up at Marquette so it remains it remains Brendan 6 of the 10 coaches have taken teams to a final four which is incredible um Porter's going to be a great fit in this league um partly because you really have to be a great coach in this league if you do, uh, he will get good players, but coaching matters. Uh, these guys are not playing. Our friend Mike Lombardi calls uh, some play calling in football bat- playing battleship, you're just guessing. Uh, there are chess there there are guys that play chess in the big twelve. and I hasten to say that Porter is close to being a grandmaster. Wow. so I, I don't think he's going to have a problem with the coaching, obviously. He'll have to continue to get players, and I'm sure he will. Uh, Chris Beard leaves, you know, the South Plains, where he did a phenomenal job, and he's going to go back home to a place that he graduated from at the University of Texas, and they are throwing around lots of money building an incredible coaching staff there, with um, you know three, you know, five or six guys that all could be. Head coaches, I, I think, you know, uh, Chris Ogden and Rodney Terry are joining the staff. Uh, Bob Donawald is there. He's been a G League head coach. Uh, and Uric Malagy and, uh, and Jaren Howard are two of the best young assistant coaches in the country and two great recruiters. So Chris Beard's putting together a great staff at, uh, at Texas.
0: Woo, man, that is something else. And then, you know, yeah. let's not forget our friend Scott Drew. Uh, whether he loses Jerome Tang as he deserves to be a yeah. head coach, that guy. Yes, yes. A fantastic mm-hmm. coach and a, and uh, even a better guy. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, but Scott has, you know, elevated himself to a world-class coach. Uh, of course, Bill Self is there. Yes, and Weber at K State. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, young it, Mike
1: Boynton from Brooklyn has done a great job at Oklahoma. Young State. Mike uh, mm-hmm. has held yep. up Brooklyn well. He is one of our
0: favorites. He is just an incredible human being, and what a coach yes. he's become. Yep. And and of course, we have the president of the NABC, uh Jamie G- Dixon. Jamie Dixon.
1: You know what a league. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, it's it's fun. You know you know, what's, you know what's great about this league that you'd appreciate night in and night out is. For every one-and-done guy that comes along, like Kevin Durant or Trey Young or Blake Griffin, uh, Andrew Wiggins, this league develops its own stars. Um, Buddy Heel comes in out of nowhere as a freshman, and the next thing you know, he's the sixth pick in the draft. You know, Devontae Graham signs at Appalachian State, goes to prep school. And all of a sudden, he's a solid NBA player. You know, Javon Carter, West Virginia. Uh, You know, you can go through the right down the list of great players in this league. And most of them are four-year guys who really got better every year in this league. And, you know, many of them do go on to play in the NBA.
0: Boy, it's, uh, it's going to be already I listened to Porter Moses' press conference this morning and uh, it was pretty darn, he, this guy is so excited, you know. Uh, he's, yeah. He And it's going to be fascinating to watch what's happening in that league. And not that it had, you know, any downside, but man, oh man, if anything can get better, it just did.
1: It's a it's a great league. It's a, you know, you and I remember the old Big Eight. And, yep. uh, it's, And you know, and the great tradition at uh, places like Kansas, K-State, Missouri, and uh, Iowa State with Johnny Orr. And, um, you know, it's um, it's a really good basketball league. The coaching is good. The player development is good. And, you know, each and every year for every, like I said, for every superstar that just comes here for one year, we get to watch like the Baylor kids to, you know, they're all grown up now, you know, uh, Shaka smarts team was a veteran team this year with some really good players. And, you know, those Iowa state kids of a few years ago, Freddie Hoiberg and Steve Prohm, I mean, five or six of them are still in the NBA and all of those kids came in from, you know, out of nowhere obscurity, you know, uh, uh, George Niang and, uh, Monte Morris and, you go down the list of this league, and it develops its own stars, which is a credit to the coaching, I think,
0: too. I, I remember last uh, draft season when you were just singing the praises of Halbert, and yeah. uh, and I, I I honestly missed him. I didn't. I never really saw him play much, and all yeah. of a sudden he's and you were right on the money because he's one of the probably two or three best rookies in the league
1: yeah and yeah exactly, and that's the fun part again. he came in as a three star recruit wow and he went and he went to a place that had had a history a recent history of developing guys as pros and uh you know both Freddie and Steve ran a pretty point guard friendly system uh at Iowa state great pick and roll uh spacing and and uh reading and he he also had a gift for what I call uh Attacking the, the 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 help defenders in pick and roll, he could throw the cross court pass to the shooter in the other corner. He saw all five defenders in pick and roll, and um, so yeah, it's fun to watch those guys come up through the ranks. and And, and Kai Jones this year, remember that name? The kid from Texas, six eleven, kid from the Bahamas who average under 10 points a game. And my friends at ESPN, uh, Jonathan and uh, Mike Schmitz, didn't even have them in their top 60. And the last time I checked, I think uh, Mike has them uh, on 11th, 12th, or 13th now. So they pop up every year, Brendan. It's amazing this league does that. That, That's incredible. Hey, last thing, um,
0: the top news really outside of the actual competition. And now that we've finished the season, is the infamous, you know, portal, okay? Yeah. The best line I've heard, uh, two, one, I won't say one (laughs) of them, my wife will get pissed off, which is common, but, you know, I told her the other day if she kept on harassing me and told me to go outside and do gardening, I'd put her ass in a portal that didn't go over (laughs) that well. But Porter today used that at his press conference, he said about Sister Jean, and he said, you know, like all good players, she's putting her name in the portal and expect her, to, yeah. you know, yeah. that she will probably sign at OU. It was you know, good line on his part. You that know. is a great line, yeah. So tell me about yeah. the portal. What What do you think it's going to do to College Bowl?
1: Well, uh, unintended consequences. Nobody knows yet because good what's course. basically happened is everybody's a free agent. Everybody. Yep. And so the reality is that um, – I used to say the number one job description of a college coach was crisis management coordinator. And now it's roster management supervisor. Coaches literally have to be general managers as well. Um, And everybody is going to dip into the portal. I don't care if it's Duke or Kentucky or we're already seeing it with Kentucky. Um, It is now a fact of life that you don't have players for four years. Uh, if you do, you're really lucky. You just have to understand that if you're a low to mid major coach and you have a terrific young player and he's playing really well, there's a good chance he's going to want to play at a higher level. And at the same time, you got to be ready for the high level kid who's not having success to drop down to your level. And um, the idea that you may have a guy for four years, I think, is almost uh, fanciful anymore. So we don't know what's going to happen with college basketball. Uh, I, I won't know until I see it for myself the next couple of years.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's it's like everyone's worried about NIL. This is a bigger situation to worry about. Not even yeah, close. Yeah, it,
1: it could be. It really could be. Um, and, and the other thing, I will say this: this is the one old old man line, you know, uh, that I will use. And it does come from Anson Dorrance. I just, you know, listened to that podcast. And, uh, I would say this, um, lots of good reasons to transfer, but one of them is not being hit with a little bit of adversity early in your career and deciding you're going to leave because of the adversity, because sports teaches us how to overcome adversity And uh, just heard a great thing about Jasmine Player, the great young lady who played at Baylor. She was a great guard and she didn't play much her freshman year. And she was just talking about this on her Instagram. She didn't want her mom to go see Coach Mulkey. Uh, She wasn't playing much as a freshman. And she said, I didn't deserve to play much. I didn't know the plays. I was getting my butt kicked in practice. And her mom went up to Coach Mulkey and said, I'm not here to tell you she's transferring. I just want to know, do you think she can play here? And Kim Mulkey said yes, but she has to improve in these three areas. And Mrs. Player said, "Thank you very much, Coach. That, that's all I needed of your time." Jasmine took that to school, worked on those things, ended up a uh, you know all-American player. That is a fabulous story. And yep. Our,
0: and our dear friend Conzo uh, Martin from Missouri uh, talks about not playing for the great legendary coach's freshman year much at uh, Purdue. Yeah. And uh, his mother comes. Gene Katie. Yes. And his mom comes to see him play and he gets in for 41 seconds. And after the game, he's so worried about his mother going to go and say something to coach Katie because she sat in her home in East St. Louis and said, Conzo Martin's going to be an all big 10 player. And, and, uh, and she, she, there he she goes up to see him, and she says, "Thank you for giving my son a chance to be at school."
1: Yeah, how about that? You yeah, know?
0: and he says, That's "Mom, what, thanks for yeah. not telling anything bad." She said, "It isn't his fault you're not playing." <laughs> I thought
1: that was great. That's the one thing that I think the portal is going to hurt is that kids really learn how to handle the yeah, tough times that's, of sports. That's excellent. And if you just make it easy for a guy to walk away from an opportunity to handle adversity, I'm not sure that's a great byproduct. But listen, the way our society is now, we know that kids leave for various reasons and just hope that's not one of them, because sticking it out and becoming a good player, I think, is part of the process. I think it's a great point, and I, I, I'm I,
0: not sure that they're going to listen, but they should. Yeah, um, I know. The I other know thing, Fran, I, I I, heard the other day was uh, five kids put their name in at one school, and I'm talking to the assistant. I said, were you surprised? He said, one kid we knew, and then the other guys followed when he put his name in. They thought they should, too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, they're not unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. It? Unintended consequences. Great like, I so I don't know how it's going to look, but um, I'm prepared for uh, I'm I'm, I, I'm even going to buy a game program next year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fran, you are a Hall of Famer and 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 your professor status is just even going bigger, but
1: cemented. Is it cemented? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You are <laughs> okay. <you're> a tenured <laughs> professor here
0: at coaching you. Thank you, my friend. And Always you have no off season. I know that. But start yeah. prepping for the NBA draft.
1: I don't have an off season, but I don't have a job either. So it's, oh, it I goes like, hand in hand. I love it.
0: You're the best man. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I had to apologize to Fran because this thing could have gone two hours. I don't know if there's anyone I'd love talking basketball with. He can talk about basketball in any country and anywhere, and you know, and I just I just think he's such a fountain of knowledge for us and uh, and a dear friend. So, uh, Fran, thank you again and again, all all the listeners. I, I think we had a great final four, men's and women's, and uh, our games better off for it. Uh, getting through this season, uh, the pandemic. It doesn't even feel like it happened. You know, they just did such a great job, both the, the men and the women players and the coaches and everyone that was part of keeping them safe. So till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir.